Good morning. It's a good time to quote Pastor Joshua. That is my favorite sound in the whole wide world. I am like, I'm so happy to be with you guys this morning. I love you guys a lot. Not just a little bit, a lot. You guys are wonderful. Jesus, I thank you for being here. I thank you for, for being with us. I thank you for your gentleness and I thank you for your encouragement. I thank you for these people. And this morning we want to learn more from you and we want to experience more of you. So we invite you to come. We invite you to come and uh, speak to us in whatever way you want to. So I ask Holy Spirit that you would guide me you would protect me from my own rabbit trails <laughs> and uh, that you would speak directly to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, um, you know what? Let's start by doing this. I want you guys to close your eyes. I'm not gonna have you do anything weird. Just close your eyes. <laughs> we spent the last couple of weeks um, holding up the scriptures and asking ourselves questions. We asked the question, why are you here? Why did you come to Jesus? Why do you stay with Jesus? And last week, Pastor Joshua asked, what are those things inside you that or, uh, the, the situations around that, that are hindering the peace of God inside you. And we've been introspective. And this morning, I believe, I, I, I just believe it's on the Lord's heart to say, do you want to trade those things? I want you to go back to those places and ask yourself again, why, why am I here? What, do I, what am I asking from Jesus? What are those sore bruises on my heart that I keep coming back to? What do I see when I close my eyes and I, I get worried or anxious? Those are the places we want to speak to this morning. You can open your eyes. Get a picture of Jesus surrounded by crowds because, well, that's pretty much what he would have been. And he's surrounded by all these, all these people and he begins to teach. And, and, you know, there's a reason people follow Jesus. I always laugh at the monotone, aloof pictures of Jesus that we see in some of these movies. It's like, blessed are the poor in spirit. And they all go, oh. You know, they do, they do that thing, and there's like a light that comes on them. And, uh, but he was so interactive, and he was so full of life. I, I picture, I, I can't prove this, but I, I picture as he's speaking that he's going to different people and, uh, and sort of pulling them in and talking directly to them. And then, you know, when he's saying, woe to you, I think sometimes he's doing that. Yes, I'm talking about you. So this morning, I'm going to direct my entire sermon to Clint. 
Not really. I think Jesus is there. He's, he's speaking to this big crowd, and he's, he's coming directly to people. And I think he's saying, blessed are those who mourn, and maybe looking right at a woman who's just lost her husband. Maybe he's been talking to her on the way, and he knows, or he sees people who are grieving. It would have been easy to see them, because they would cover themselves in ashes sometimes. But he's going, blessed are, blessed are you who mourn. Now, what does that mean? Do you think she would have said, ah, like, I'm blessed? Philip Yancey wrote a book uh, called The Jesus I Never Knew, and he talks about the Beatitudes. And he says, a better translation for blessed in that case is almost lucky. It's almost like saying, you who are mourning, you're lucky. Excuse me? And the reason you're lucky is because you don't always have to mourn. You're gonna be comforted. That's why you're blessed. And I think he's doing that. I think he's coming to those, maybe a beggar who's been coming and saying, blessed are you who are poor. Or another time, blessed are you who are poor in spirit. You don't have anything right now, but you're gonna have the entire kingdom. And he's coming to these people in their places and speaking directly to them right where they're at. And here's really what he's saying. Do you wanna trade? Because the kingdom has something for you and it's better than you ever thought. And all these places, all these places of insecurity, the Lord can come, and Jesus had a way of meeting those people right there and giving something they, they never expected. We'll talk about bread and water this week. We read a story in the, I think the second week of our New Testament reading, that Jesus, um, he goes out early in the morning he, you know, he had to pick his times when the crowds weren't everywhere. So he goes out. He's in a Samaritan village. Now, the Samaritans were a group of people that did not mix with the Jews. The Samaritans were uh, essentially the, uh, uh, the people who had been, uh, they had mixed with the Assyrians. They, they had been Jews 700 years ago. And after the Assyrian uh, empire came in and conquered them, these people intermixed and they went on, they had all kinds of weird religious beliefs that they intertwined with the belief in Yahweh. And so as these cultures grew up then next to each other, they were looked on as the half-breeds. They were looked on as, we hate those people. This is more than just like the racial tension that we see around us today. This was a bitterness, and it was in your face. Like, we do not even talk to you. We do not associate with you. And here's Jesus going out early in the morning and sitting at a well and this woman is getting water. She's a Samaritan woman. And he's like, hey. And she, on so many levels, this is weird and awkward and wrong. And he says, can I have a drink? <laughs> now, I want you to watch this exchange. This exchange, to me, is, is one of my favorites with Jesus. There's, there's so much great little subtext that goes on here. Uh, sweet. All right, it's a good thing I've got light. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? Like, almost like, don't you know the rules? <laughs> this is not supposed to be happening right now. I'm here to help you. Maybe you grew up in some weird backwater place when you didn't know about us, but we don't relate and stop talking to me. <laughs> Jesus answered her, 
If you knew the gift of God and who it is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Isn't that interesting? It's like, (laughs) if you knew who I was, you'd be asking me for a drink. That's what he's saying. Gosh, that sounds so arrogant. It's almost like he's God or something. (laughs) Do you get that? He he, he reversed it. She's like, what are you doing talking to me? He's like, if you knew who I really was, you'd be asking me, not me asking you. Okay. So the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing. You You didn't even bring a bucket. Okay, so why would I ask you? You have nothing to draw from, and the well's deep, so you're not going to just climb down there and get it in your hands or something. Where do you get that living water? Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water I'll give will never be thirsty again. The water water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said, now this is where I, I wish that we had more descriptions of what she was doing. Was she rolling her eyes? Or was she intrigued? I don't know. But this is an intriguing conversation. It's taken a hard left. This is not where she was expecting this thing to go. And she says, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty uh, or have to come here to draw water. So maybe she was like, okay, freak. Um, You know, fine, then just give me some of this water and then we can be done with the conversation. I don't know. Maybe that was it. Or maybe it was like, you totally have my attention. Water that never makes me thirst again, let me know more. But he goes a little further. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered, I don't even have a husband. And Jesus, I think Jesus maybe smiles and goes, good, you're right. You are right, for you have, you've had five husbands, and this one you have now isn't your husband." What you have said is true. Okay, now we can all agree her jaw has dropped to the floor. <laughs> he's not part of the gossip circles. He wouldn't be. He's a Jew. He hasn't, he hasn't, she's never seen him before. How does he know this? So here's what she says. <laughs> they go into this whole thing. Well, I perceive you're a prophet and all these things. And he goes in. And, and uh, uh, they, they get interrupted by the disciples. The disciples come and they're like, Ixnay on the Akite. And he says, Did you meet Susie? <laughs> here it is. Here's what, here's, here's what amazes me, right? She, she's, she, um, it, it's, it's almost like she's saying this How did he know that I was the one who was thirsty? He turned it around on her in the beginning, and in reality, what is he doing? He's taking a physical thing. She's there to get water, right? That's why you come to the well. And what has he done? He's identified something far deeper. He's identified a spiritual truth that's in her heart, and she is thirsty. And he's talking about living water, and she's going, ho-hum, what are you talking about? And he goes, well, you know that thing when you've had five husbands, and now the one you're with isn't even your husband? You need living water. How thirsty was this woman inside? We don't know her story. But we have good reason to believe maybe she was trying to find something. She's gone from relationship to relationship to relationship, and she hasn't found it yet. And here she is going on in life, 
and somebody comes and says, I know you have a thirst. And I want to tell you, you can try to find it in these relationships. You can try to find it in this water. But I have water that you will not thirst again. I don't think I'm reading too much into it. Water that you will not thirst again. This becomes a theme. And particularly in the book of John, you've got the stretch. When he starts talking about water that you won't thirst again and bread that you will not hunger again. And it's, it's, it's very interesting. The woman leaves her water jar. Isn't that fun? I find symbolism in that. I don't know that John meant it, but I just think it's super cool. She leaves the water jar to go tell everyone what had just happened. I want it. Here's the next thing that happens. You look a little closer at the picture. Somebody must have done this at a beach, just dressed up as Jesus and had a photographer with them. But I thought it was kind of fun. You're like, at first, you're like, oh, that's cool. That's like, oh, wait a minute. Is that a Gucci bag or something? Like <laughs> a Jan Sport backpack. Anyway, I love, I love this thing. But this happens a chapter or two later. This, this great scene, okay, nothing to do with Samaritan woman now. He's just, he's got this big crowd before him. And uh, everyone's hanging on his every word. And they don't have any food to give them. So everyone's like coming, they're listening, they don't want to leave. Um, but, oh my goodness, they don't have any food either because, you know, they don't have just, you know, McDonald's next door to pop in. And so his disciples are like, um, what are we going to do here? And Jesus at, even asks them like, huh, we should probably get them some food. And they're like calculating how much that's going to cost in their heads. They're like, we don't got it. And so Jesus does something totally amazing and shocks everyone there and everybody sees it and everyone sees incredible significance in it. There is no industrial kitchen there, but they see him take this little tiny lunch and feed everybody. And then there's leftovers. A ton of leftovers. He's got them sitting in these huge groups all over the place and, oh, here's some more. Would you like seconds? Unbelievable. And, and in the commotion, everyone's talking about this, going, um, th- this food, there, there was no, th- this is impossible. This is impossible. We know he's been healing the sick. We know he's been doing these other things. We know he's an entertaining speaker. We know all of these things. But this is crazy. And Jesus finds a way to slip away in all the commotion. This is interesting. He goes away. And then we have this almost little game of hide and seek that happens. Um, so, his, here, we'll, we'll just pick it up right here. The next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Now, remember his disciples had pushed off in a boat and they looked down, they're like, where's Jesus? Everybody, it's paparazzi time, okay? This is... I, they're, they're crazy looking out for him. And so they, they don't see him get in the boat that night, so they think he, he must be here somewhere. Well, in reality, they pushed off, but he had walked on the water in the middle of the night during a storm. Of course, even if they had seen that, they would have think that they were hallucinating probably. So that next morning, they, they can't find him anywhere. So other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus wasn't there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. 
So you have this big crowd, and then they're all crowding into boats, and suddenly the Sea of Galilee is filled with canoes and little sailboats, all these things. Like, they're all trying to find them. He must have gotten to Capernaum. Let's go. You have this massive chase of little boats. I imagine him on the other side going, oh, no. <laughs> I just need a break. So they get over here. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered, he said, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which, is, which the Son of Man will give to you. Now, what does he do? Once again, just like the Samaritan woman, he's identifying a spiritual thing that is deeper inside of them. He's saying, you came because you got a meal. That's why you came. And you know what? This is the next day. So you know what? They came because they were hungry again. I made you food yesterday. I made you dinner. And now you're here because you want me to make you dinner again. But here's the thing. You're just going to keep needing dinner every single day. You're asking me for something temporal that lasts for a very short time. But here's the thing. I'm actually here to give you something eternal. So will you have that? Do you see the difference? Their minds are not there at all. Their minds are on the temporal things of where do I get my next meal? How am I going to push on? How am I going to survive? I got to find some place to eat. And Jesus, well, can you do that thing again? Saw a little boy around here who had some loaves and fishes. Maybe throw in something, I don't know, cake? I, mean, I don't know. You got to find a little better meal. I mean, it was okay. And he says, let me give you something that's not going to pass away. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. There's a higher reality in the kingdom of God. God's kingdom is, is eternal. It's, ever, it's everlasting. Pastor Joshua talked about last week, the kingdom is, is an internal kingdom. It's in you but it's also an eternal kingdom. Now we think of eternity as this way, as it goes on forever and ever and ever and ever, and that's true. But you know what I wanna suggest to you? It's also eternal this way. That there is an eternal storehouse of heaven that's here and available for us. That there's something, there's a greater, there's a hidden kingdom that's there. And I think sometimes, I, I, for me, I get a little bit shy about talking about it because it sounds so mystical, but you guys, we live, we believe there is a God in heaven and his kingdom is real and that it's invisible to us. Yes, this is our mystical faith that we have. It is. It's invisible, but one day we're gonna see it all. And here's, here's the cool thing. There were a couple of guys who actually got to see it. Check this out. Peter, James, and John go up on a mountain and suddenly Jesus shows and says, this is what I really look like, check this out. And suddenly he's transformed and his clothing is white as light itself and, and, and he's talking with two men, Abraham, or excuse me, Moses and Elijah. Abraham didn't get the call, he was a little bummed. Um, and 
these guys are freaking out. They don't know what to do. Peter's at, he's just babbling on that. Should, should, uh, should we build like tents for you guys? Or like, you want, you want something to drink? Or like, he's just babbling. He even says, I love the commentaries. He didn't know what he was saying. <laughs> what do you do when you're confronted with the glory of God that's so big and so bright right in front of you? And it, it's, it's like Jesus is saying, this is what I really look like. The kingdom of God is not only going to last forever, but it's real and it's limitless today. What are the temporal things that we start thinking are life or death today? What are those sore places on our heart that we already looked inside ourselves that say, well, what, what is this thing I feel like I have to have right now? I believe Jesus would say, just like he did to these guys, listen, I understand, but there's something eternal that you're missing. You're looking at today, how am I gonna get through today? But there's something eternal and you're missing it and I have it for you and it's called peace. It's called rest. Why is it that so many of us have such a hard time resting? Unresolved issues? Concern over finances? I got one for you. Concern over politics. It's a week that's been, caused a lot of concern for a lot of people all around the country of every political stripe out there. There's a lot of concern. There's a shutdown, there's massive debt, there's this new healthcare law that has all kinds of ramifications for all kinds of different people, and what, what do you do and I see so many people get so stirred up and so tied up in knots. And I don't know, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Can I tell you where I was at? I say this for me, not to... Wait, here's where I was at. I would obsess over that stuff, guys. I would obsess over it. And my stomach would be tied up in knots. I was always so worried about it. And in 2008, the election was coming. And I felt like, I really felt like, this might sound kind of funny to you, but I really felt like the Lord said, no radio, no political blogs. We didn't even have TV because we're out in the middle of nowhere. But you cannot do this anymore. You know why? Because my awareness of the political kingdom around us was greater than my awareness of his kingdom. So he says, you know what? It's time to pull back from that. It's time to pull back from that. I know it's important to understand what's going on and things like that. And different people are at different places with this. Some people can handle it. For me, I couldn't. I couldn't. And to this day, I don't even want to touch it. I still am try I'm still, you know, informed of what's going on, but there are places that we can help fix, and there's some things that we can't even do anything about, but we have to feel like we have to know everything about this in order to, to move on. You don't. You don't. And if it's getting in the way of peace and let it go. You know why? Because his kingdom is real and it's greater and it looks like that. Everything we see around us is temporal. It's going to fade away. It's going to pass away and new days are going to come and he will last forever. Amen. Where are the places that you're finding security and insecurity? This was one of them for me. And finances 
is a very common one as well. Hey, think about this. This is interesting. Some of us know what it's like to live paycheck to paycheck for a really long time. In fact, if, if we took a survey in this room, which we're not going to do, there's probably a very good percentage, high percentage of people that are living paycheck to paycheck. And you might feel, I don't know what I'm going to do because what if something happens that that next paycheck doesn't come? And it's a very real feeling and it's a very real concern and when we close our eyes we feel that stress and we feel this thing we're unable to really rest this isn't new I want to tell you that but I want you to think back to the way it's been for a long time these people probably had it worse because they didn't know where their next meal was coming from let alone their next paycheck and you know what Jesus says to them I'm the bread of life I'm the eternal I am as we sang this morning, am sufficient. I am enough. There's a kind of peace that he offers in the midst of conflict, in the midst of unresolved issues, in the midst of difficult situations, in the midst of angst. There's a cloak of peace that he's offering. And I feel like today, for some reason, it's difficult for us to feel that, to put it on. It feels like denial. But he's offering it to us. A couple of weeks ago, I stood up here and told you guys some things about where I've been at and, and th this, this place of having an unresolved issue with my son with severe autism and not seeing breakthrough. And there are times when that gets really hard. But I want to tell you guys something. The Lord has massively moved in my heart and in my family. That we have, some, we have rough days and we don't deny those. And we come, and that's why I believe it's important to come and be real and say, this is where I'm at. I'm not just going to nod and say, everything's great when it's not great. But let me tell you something. The Lord has given us a measure of peace that we didn't have before. And he's given us something that lets us go, praise God. You know what? Not everything is awesome. We're really tired and we'd like to see breakthrough here and we haven't seen it. But you know what? God's really good. And I trust him. So I'm gonna get up today and we're gonna do everything he's called us to do and we're gonna rejoice where we can rejoice. And we're gonna say, Jesus, you're enough to get me through today. You see, the bread of life. The bread of life is more than circumstances. You can, in the midst of those things, in the midst of those places of anxiety, of those places of angst, it's not, they don't all have to be completely fixed in order for you to have peace. Some of these will take a long, long time to get sorted out. You know, as I've been on my journey, um, Pastor Josh was just, you know, he's been amazing. He's always, always there for me when I just come and just say, blah, this is where I'm at. And, uh, We've been, we've been talking some the, the last couple of months as, as you know, uh, just as I've been in the course of, of all that. And uh, we've been talking about Restoration Day, about looking forward to the day where everything's fixed. And it's just becoming a, a, a bigger and a greater hope within me. And he, he, he pointed this out. He's like, you know what? The worst thing in my situation, the worst thing that could happen is Jack doesn't get healed until the day of full restoration. But in that day, he's going to be everything God created him to be. That's the worst that could happen. Do you see that? 
the worst thing is that in this life, not everything's put back together. Do you see why it's unbelievably good news that the kingdom is here? This is why the Apostle Paul can stand up and say, hey, if I die, I'm with him. So, and if I live, I'm with you and I get to talk about him. The kingdom is here and I'm not gonna be dragged down just because I'm in prison. Am I in denial that I'm in prison? No, I'm in chains and it kind of stinks, but God's good. So even in the midst of that, I'm gonna sing and I'm gonna worship and maybe the chains fall off and maybe they don't, but praise Jesus because he's my bread of life. Do you see the difference? It's not denial. It's fully affirming. This is what's going on in my heart. We don't need to be fake. We don't need to say something is there when it's not. We don't need to say, man, my son is healed when he's not. You don't need to do that because God sees the reality of it. But you can say, you know what, Lord? That's there and I, I know you're in the midst of it and I know you're here and I praise you because one day everything's gonna be as you said it and even if that doesn't happen while well, I'm still breathing, I know it will. And I know that you're here and I know that you're working in the midst of those circumstances. Where are the soft spots? Where are the sore places inside of you that you feel like you can't rest? Because I think Jesus today wants to take those. I feel like just like with those people, he's gonna come up and say, do you wanna trade? Because you have temporal concerns and I wanna give you the bread of life. I wanna give you a cloak of peace that you don't feel like you need something new and different every single day to just get you through or you don't feel like you need some big breakthrough every single day in order to somehow get you over the hump, but I am with you. And I feel like, I just think he wants to offer that this morning. Does that sound good? Yeah. Can we have the worship team come? And we're singing the song, Bless the Lord, O My Soul, this morning. There are so many reasons to praise him. Blessing him, praising him in the midst of our circumstances is a powerful thing. And the thing I love about the song and the Psalms that it alludes back to is David was telling himself, self, bless the Lord. Soul, bless the Lord. Make a choice to bless the Lord today. I'm not gonna deny my circumstances because I'm living in a cave. I didn't do anything to my boss and now he's trying to kill me. I didn't do any of these things. In fact, I've been faithful to you. And so I'm not gonna deny that it kind of stinks, but you know what? I'm not gonna let that determine my reality. I'm not gonna let that determine my moods. I'm not gonna let that make me anxious. I'm gonna say, bless the Lord, and this is gonna be my choice. This is gonna be my reality today. What do you think about that? Let's sing that song, and as you're singing that song, if you wanna make a trade, say, I'm gonna give you my anxiety and my concerns, whether they're political, whether they're personal economic, whether they're lack of breakthrough, I think the Lord wants to, to ex make an exchange this morning. So let's be bold, just come forward, sing that song, and say, today, Jesus, I wanna make that trade. Can we do that? Let's sing that song. Prayer, uh, prayer servant team, please be up and, and aware. If you need prayer for anything in the process, please do that. But let's make that trade today and, and let's make a choice to bless the Lord even in the midst of our circumstances. Please stand. Yambe <laughs> 
believe that even now as you've been making that trade today, as you've been identifying these areas and saying, God, you know what? This is the place that consistently steals my joy or my peace. Many of you have made a trade right now, and it's beautiful. You know, you think about the time where we made the decision to follow Christ, and in that moment, something supernatural happened, and we were born again simply by believing the words that he said. Well, it's no different right now to say, God, I want to take this. I want to trade it for that. And you're, it's, it's so simple. I think sometimes we can miss it. But something profound just happened. And it, it's not just a, a cute goosebump moment. It's a transformational moment. And God is good. I believe as you continue to go through even this week, I believe the Holy Spirit is going to continue to stir some of these places up. You're going to have some new things that are added, and you're going to get the opportunity to remember, like, wait a minute. I traded this. I traded this. This doesn't own me anymore. Kingdom come. Your will be done. There's peace in this house. Amen. Amen. If you need healing in your body today, we've seen some tremendous healings over the years. And I want to invite you to come up and let the prayer team pray for you if you need healing. Um, Or if you just need encouragement or prayer for anything, they're going to stay. They're available. If you're a guest for the first time, I want to encourage you to please go by the welcome table and drop that little information card in the basket. We'd love to give you a gift. And if you did fill out the information card with some new information for the director or what have you, you can also, uh, if you're already a member, drop that in the basket. And then uh, I want to invite all of you that are going to be having lunch with me today to please come immediately over to the cafeteria and we'll get started so we can uh, get you get you blessed and prayed for it and welcomed and uh, and then get you on your way. You guys have a fantastic week. May God bless you and give you peace.